Hold one. Arm drag. Brett screwed Brett. It's me, Austin. I did it for the rock. Oh, shut your mouth, you thong wearing fatty. Number four, arm bar. I am Sir Michael Cole. What? Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of Grapplecast. It is I, Jamie, the, the true host of Grapplecast, uh, because Taron decides yet again that he cannot come on. I think we've been on the most shows, the three of us. I don't think, Dan, yeah. you've ever missed an episode? Never miss a beat, Joe, Day you missed an episode? No. Taran, I think I missed one. I think I missed one at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys should start hosting it yourself now. I mean, it's that she's having no days off. Mr. <laughs> no days off. Yeah. So it's um, obviously this episode is going to come a little bit later. You'll be listening to it most likely on the Saturday as we are recording on the Friday due to the special Crown Jewel Jack, which was live at 5 p.m. British Standard Time which is a beautiful thing to say. Like, you finish work at five and you go straight into a WWE pay-per-view. Um, I mean, I finished at five. I know you guys, you booked it off, didn't you? Half day, so you got to yeah. enjoy. Start drinking a little bit earlier. Have a little bit of the bubbly. Bubbly. Yeah. And I got um, to see the pre-show as well, you know, where they made um, stipulations for matches and then removed them 30 minutes later. Um, but it was just nice to be able to watch a wrestling baby. It was still sunny outside. Um, you know, eat it and all, even though our takeaway was two hours late and we got it during the last match. Um, but apart from that, yeah, no, it was decent. And it was just nice to actually watch a show um, when people should be watching shows instead of watching them at like one o'clock in the morning when British people usually be watching pay-per-views. Yeah. And then, like I said, when you start, because I, I watch every pay-per-view live because that's just who I am, unfortunately. And there's no takeaways open. So it's just like, what am I like? What am I going to eat? Because there's no takeaways. So I'm just sat there not eating. Whereas now, ordered at 6 p.m. was there at half six. It was great. So I had a nice kebab. Why can't it be like it that great. for me? I ordered at 10, <laughs> 20, 10 past six and it came at um, almost nine o'clock. Which is when it was supposed to finish. Like, if you looked, it was like, what, five till eight, I think it originally said. Yeah, and it, it went on till 10. Oh, no, was it 10 or nine? It, was on, it, was it went on till nine, yeah. yeah. Nine, that's it. Because I was looking at it. I actually started timing the last match, thinking, oh, this is going to be finished. They're going to wrap up early. But no, they, the main event lasted about 15 minutes. I was actually thinking earlier as well, we'll go into the matches a little bit more in depth, but I was having a quick look because Goldberg's match lasted a lot longer than what I thought it would be. And it got me um, thinking, so I hope this is in the quiz, and if it is, I will stop. But um, Goldberg's longest match, it was nearly there. Like, it was nearly his longest match. Surely, I would, if, you had to, if I had to predict his longest match, I'd say Rock versus Goldberg when he debuted. That would be, like, my prediction. Or when he was in Elimination Chamber. No, like just one on one match, sorry. Oh, like that's just quite one tough on then, one. But yeah, it went on a lot longer because you look at all of the other ones and they usually go on for two, three minutes. I think the WrestleMania match in the uh, pandemic era in 37, I think that one was only just under four minutes. So this one, I was really surprised. And they told a really good story with it as well. Yeah, Goldberg's longest match was September 21st, 2003 which was Unforgiven, 
and it was against Triple H. It was just under 15 minutes long for the time. They had a really good feud as well. Um, I really enjoyed their feud mm-hmm. when he came back. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I thought it might have been in his early sort of run. Um, but, yeah, definitely won't be now. Um, I think he's got a few more matches left on, but people are starting to get bored of him. But the Saudi crowd seem to love him. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about the, the Saudi crowd before we go into the matches because I was listening to some of it. I didn't know if some of it was piped in, some of the sound, or they actually were properly getting into it because you'd look and you wouldn't see anybody cheering or celebrating unless, obviously, the camera... It was to the people that were higher up, possibly. But it just sounded like random chanting that you wouldn't expect from a Saudi Arabian crowd. It was just Part like, of it oh. was, you could tell was them, when they were doing the Ole chants, you're like, they wouldn't pipe that in. Very similar to when you went to uh, take over Cardiff and we started the Don't Take Me Home. I started that chant. So if you go back and watch it on the network, <laughs> that was me that was. I started that. Mine was about six pints deep and I just shouted at everybody, sing with me. And then they did. Um, but that Ole chant, that's not a usual WWE chant that you'd hear, like, Ole, 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 Ole. And it was nice to hear them, like, getting involved. But I did notice the change in the sound. You can go back and potentially hear it when Selena Vega put the crown on and she lifted the scepter. You can hear the sound change, like they started to pipe it in over it. Um, I, mm. I noticed it then. So I think they probably did have a bit of a mixture. But there was points where you could actually recognise them cheering for certain people because it was it was in a certain different sound very similar to when the grizzled young veterans went over to America and people started to try and do the British chants in America. The, the American fans couldn't do it to the same sort of um, tune as we do it. So with um, the Saudi crowd, they were cheering in a different way. Um, you know, there's points where they say, oh, are they saying loser or you suck? Or you, you're trying to make out what they were saying. We, You know, you got there eventually, but it was sort of like a different tone with the crowd. And that's what's exciting about these um, events all over the world. You can hear how different fans react to different people. And if they are getting over, like someone like a Randy Orton in America wouldn't be getting, it doesn't get over that much at all. People are bored of him, but he went over to Saudi. Everyone had Randy Orton tops on along with uh, their Newcastle United tops, which I saw loads of. Um, But everybody had Randy Orton tops everywhere. And I'm thinking, why do they love him so much? But he's massively over over there. And I I didn't realize by how much. Yeah, it it was loud all night it was. I was really surprised mm. like, how loud the crowd were. I think one of the weird ones when you were saying like you weren't sure what they were saying, it was during the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns match. It was kind of like Suplex City, and I was like, "What are the what are the comparing? Is it Roman Reigns? Suplex City, Roman Reigns?" But obviously, it sounds completely different. Yeah. Um, from there, and I was like trying to figure it out because it's like obviously you can't fit Brock Lesnar in there. It's like Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. It's like. Yeah, it didn't work, obviously, with Brock Lesnar. So it was just Suplex City, Roman Reigns. But yeah, no. So we'll go into the card. You guys obviously watched the pre-show. Unfortunately, I was working till five, so I couldn't see the pre-show. And it was uh, the Usos versus the Hurt Business just thrown out there randomly. So decent watch. I think this match lasted a lot longer than a lot of the matches on the main card. Yeah, started about 35 minutes past. So they had a good... 20 minutes to play with with a five minute wrap up and it was just a solid if you went to a house show and you saw it would be exactly what you expect on a house show they played to mm-hmm. it really well but the usos ended up winning by doing a um, jay hit a splash off the top rope massive jump but we knew they were there because hurt business were going to get involved in the bobby lashley match and uh, the usos were going to get involved in the roman reigns match so it makes sense for them to start off on the pre-show and the way that the commentators were billing it was oh if um 
the Hurt Business can get a win, although they're on different brands, they've beaten a tag team champion. So that'll help them climb in the tag team ranks. So that's mm. how they were billing it on commentary. But it was, you know, I know that I say it quite a lot, but it was a solid match. It was decent. It had exactly what it said on the tin. It's just the fact that they were both heel tag teams going in, but the way the crowd were reacting to them is they were cheering for the Usos. So the Usos turned into uh, faces almost. But then when they came out in the main event and helped Roman Reigns, because they love Brock Lesnar so much, they were then booing the Usos. So they started off the pay-per-view as faces and then they ended Mm -hmm. up as heels, which was something you don't see that often. Yeah. So we'll go into the, the main, and I think this is quite a big surprise that the first match of the night was Edge going over against Seth Rollins in Hell in a Cell, which was a great start because I was obviously with Taron for the show. He came round, we had a kebab, it was great. But he said Seth Rollins was going to win the Hell in a Cell. So that was a great start <laughs> to the event because we all knew that weren't going to happen. Um, yeah, and we were all like literally saying to Taron last said, week, are you, are you actually kidding? <laughs> are you actually going to go for the Seth Rollins? And he tried to go... Toss and turn a bit with it, but he stuck with his Seth Rollins and just shows the three of us were right. Yeah, yeah. and it was a solid match, 27 minutes and 40 seconds. Like, I remember after this match finished, it was like quarter to him. Like, geez, have they actually just gone on this long? They've like, gone on it ages. And what I liked is they were getting the tables involved. They were getting the ladders involved. But one of my favourite spots is where Seth Rollins was chucked into the cage and he bounced off the cage in such a way that he ricocheted backwards and went through a table that was down on the bottom. But mm-hmm. the bit that I liked was at the end when they were using the stuff in the toolbox. So they were trying. he was trying to like put them in Seth Rollins' mouth to choke him out. But it was almost like, no, I'm, I'm taking this to the extreme. You know, I'm going a little bit further. I'm going to make you suffer. And the storytelling on it was good in such a way that that feud can now end and we can move on to something else. Even though they're on the same show, that can be a closed chapter. We don't have to see that match again. And it's, it was a fitting way of ending it. Like, they worked out what you could see. You know, they were talking to each other after the match. Um, they had their heads next to each other with their hair covering their faces. And you could see that they were both, like, saying, thank you, what a brilliant match. Um, well, obviously you couldn't see them saying that but you'd assume that's what they'd be saying to each other because it was it was such a good opening to the show but with the opening of the show I was more amazed that the it was the same sort of cage that you would see at Hell in a Cell pay-per-view it wasn't changed in any way do you remember when they used yeah. to do those insurrection pay-per-views in the UK and you wouldn't get a traditional steel cage match you'd get those blue barred um, square cages that they put around because mm. that's the only thing they had in the UK but you know, in Saudi Arabia, they actually had the same Hell in a Cell cage that you'd have at Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And I said to Joe, how did they get that over there? He said, oh, they probably flew it. I went, well, or they might have had to like sail a boat over. It was quite surprising that they managed to get it over there. But you saw the backstage segment with Paul Heyman. The amount of crates they had backstage of equipment they unpacked was unbelievable. I think that possibly with the, with the, uh, the theme of Crown Jewel, maybe having a green Hell in a Cell would have been quite nice, just for something a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely a solid match and a great start to the show. They are both, obviously, drafted to Raw as of tonight, when it officially happens, the draft. So we're hoping this is going to be the end of the feud, but maybe Seth Rollins takes some time off. What do you think, Joe? Is he going to take time off and then, or they're just going to go, I've got a new feud with someone else now? Yeah, I think Seth Rollins is just going to come out on Raw and be like, I'm right that's it, I'm fed up of feuding with Edge now. He'll he'll go after like somebody else. He has gotta now, like that's gotta be the end of it. He's gotta he's gotta deal 
with somebody else. I don't know. If, I don't know if he'll take time off because obviously Becky's back now. I'm not exactly possibly sure Edge being more part time and possibly taking some time yeah. off. Well, we've got yeah. um, Survivor Series coming up now. The only way that I could see them potentially stretching it for a little bit longer is if they're both told they have to coexist to be on the Raw Survivor Series team. Possibly. And then, like I said, one screws over the other to screw over Team Raw or something like that. Yeah, because he did that um, a couple of years ago where Baron Corbin screwed over his team. Um, I know Mustafa Ali was talking about it in the bump. He was like, oh, yeah, I represented SmackDown at Survivor Series. But what everyone forgets is Baron Corbin, who's on the same team, he screwed me over and I got eliminated because my own teammate. So I think they like doing stuff like that at Survivor Series because it could build up feuds to go towards the new year and try and pad it out to uh, WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble because that's ultimately what they're working towards. They've got a card at the Royal Rumble and they're saying, how are we going to get to the Royal Rumble? What can we do to fill in until then? And you think with, with an edge... And uh, say, for example, with Edge, we would expect Edge to face someone like uh, AJ Styles at WrestleMania. That's the kind of match we'd all want to see. That would send everyone home happy. How would we get to that? Well, they can't do that straight away. So you need to kind of pad it in a little bit. Yeah, Edge could get himself a tag team partner along the way and maybe start feuding. But he's already done that. I think a elimination in a rumble and a feud starting that way would be good. But you've got to build your way up to that. Um, and how do they do that? We've got what's Royal Rumble now? It's uh, February. So we've got three months now that we need to sort of fill in the gaps with. Um, so they could, they, with Survivor Series, it's perfect to do that. And they could slightly continue it now, putting maybe both. Because if you had a look at that Raw Survivor Series too, who, who are you realistically going to put on there? You're thinking, well, a Carrion Cross would be quite good in there, but you need a couple ring generals in there as well. They're two perfect yeah. ring generals. But ultimately, someone like a... If Randy Orton didn't have a tag, uh, tag team title belt, he would be somebody that you'd want on your team. But I think they're building towards having an RK bro uh, going against the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. That's what they're sort of working towards their end goal. And any match with RK bro against anybody would be decent for a pay-per-view, to be fair. Yeah, I'm going to skip to that match. It will be a nice segue to, to ruin there. And so it was AJ Styles and Omos taking on RK Bro. Can we just talk about the entrance? Like, oh, I mean, for one anyway, there was just camels randomly there. Don't just chilling on the side. And then obviously they come out and then Riddle goes, wait, wait one minute, wait one minute. And then goes back and then comes on on a camel to the ring. I mean, the guy holding the camel was absolutely loving it. He was there waving to everyone. <laughs> trying to take pictures. I was him. so chuffed because I said to Joe, it's because I'm watching it live. I'm going to Joe, oh, I bet he's got a matching scooter or he's got him something like that. You know, they're both going to come to the ring with matching scooters or matching ring gear or something. And then all of a sudden he comes, because we were commenting on those camels before, like, wow, how have they got those there? And I got to be fair, I was always watching by the sides of the ring to see where the camels were because there was about six to eight camels i was always like where are the camels now it was just something called the look at but yeah when he came out on that camel i popped i think it was the most i'd that and the xavier woods win are the two things i shouted at the screen and cheered at and the fact that i was cheering for a camel i just hope it makes 2k22 and my my creator wrestler is coming to the ring every single match on a camel the crown jewel jack camel the crown jewel jack camel what's the camel's <laughs> name what do you reckon the camel's name is I hope it's Jack. <laughs> this is why it's called the Crown Jewel Jack. I reckon he called it like Kevin, like over Kevin Dunn or John, Johnny, Johnny Randy. Ace. Like you've just got uh, Vince McMahon backstage going, you're my, you're my camel. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this match, I mean, it did everything that we can. 
they've, they've obviously had this feud for the past few weeks. Like I said, they were facing each other one-on-one in singles competition. And Omos looks big and strong, doing what Omos does best. Uh, and then they got the pin over AJ Styles. I didn't okay, really see match. Omos do that much. Um, oh, I, I know Omos probably got in there for about a minute, but we were watching the pay-per-view with our mate Dean, and he even said, I don't even know if Omos actually got tagged in and do anything. He's just been stood on the ring rope and letting the other guys do all of the work. But if you've got a match that's got Randy Orton and, and uh, AJ Styles in, you want them to be doing the majority of the work, especially how over Randy Orton was and how much the crowd loved him. You'd want to keep him in there. And it kind of protects the big guy in a way. Um, but he, yeah, even Dean, who was over my house, said, what has he done? He's just stood there. He hasn't really done anything, but he's collected a paycheck. He's there. He's learning from the best. Yeah. And I think you learn better on the road as well, doing these different shows in Saudi Arabia, getting different audience experiences as well. He's getting to go see the world, isn't he? So Yeah, for sure. For sure, he's getting to see everything and he's learning from the best. Um, you know, you look at um, Austin Theory, for example, he's been around Johnny Gorgano for a year and now he's come up to the main roster and that these past two weeks on Raw, everybody's been talking about him after Raw, and his matches have been really solid. So it just goes to show, you know, when you had like HBK and Diesel, Diesel learning from HBK all of those years, and then Kevin Nash becomes one of the biggest names in sports entertainment two years later. So it just goes to show that formula, nine times out of ten, it does work. Yeah, so hopefully. Um, do you think they are leading to this split coming soon, Joe? Uh, it's coming eventually, but who's gonna split up first, RK Bro or AJ Nomos? I, I, it's probably gonna be RK Bro to be fair, because but that's just the kind of person Randy Orton is. I mean, AJ Styles is still a heel as well, but yeah, Randy Orton is just stinking. He'll just like get fed up one day, just like a RK riddle, just the just the fun of it. Just yeah, for bands, it's just probably RK Bro. I'm going to predict the uh, Omos split. You're going to have AJ Styles getting frustrated and he's going to start slapping Omos, going, you're stupid, you don't listen. And then he's just not. He's going to snap one day and then the crowd's going to love him. That's how they're going to split him up. That's literally how they do it with all the smaller guys to big guys, though, isn't it? It's just like, you're stupid, you don't listen, to start slapping him. Then all of a sudden you see, you go, ah, just pick up and just throw him. <laughs> and the fans love it because it's like squashing that annoying bug. Yeah. So we did skip a match, but obviously um, we will talk the about the most important match of the entire pay per view. Lasted exactly ten minutes. This lasted more than the single queen's crown, the final. Lasted longer than the king of the ring match, and it also lasted longer than the tag team championship match. It was Mansoor the home. Town man undefeated in Crown Jewel, I believe, in Saudi Arabia, defeating Mustafa Ali. Yeah. Can I just talk yeah. about um, Mustafa Ali's guyliner? Go for it. <laughs> I just, I was saying to Joe, I'm like, he is wearing eyeliner, right? It's just not something that you'd see. But then when you looked at his costume more, he looked almost like a pharaoh. Um, like an Egyptian pharaoh almost, he was going for that sort of look. But it's not often that you would notice like a male wrestler wearing guy liner. Um, but fair enough. I mean, it made his image work. Um, he played a really good heel, actually. Um, the, the match, I know we say solid match quite a lot, but it was really, really decent. Some really good spots in there. They didn't really botch that much. It was just a nice 
flow of a match to get us started with. And it got the crowd going as well. The, the crowd were starting to cheer and get involved. And the finish of the match, we were all going to each other like, who is that? Like, who's that guy coming out to the ring? Because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you've got Mansour winning. Surely Mansour now goes in the crowd and celebrates with everyone and takes selfies. But you've got then Mustafa Ali attacking him going, no, this is stupid. And then some random music starts playing and this guy comes out. He had some sort of red belt around him. If it was a black belt, we kind of could have half worked it out. But he had a red belt on and his face Everyone was covered. losing the shit as well. And yeah, but the minute yeah. He, t- he took that thing off his head, the crowd went nuts. I suppose it's similar to being in Wales and Tom Jones being unmasked, you know? It's <laughs> it's very sort of similar. Oh, my God, it's Tom Jones! It's very similar <laughs> like that. We'd all lose our shit, to be honest. Uh, we, we did exactly the same when Tegan Knox was front row at Cardiff Takeover. We all went nuts, and that was just Tegan Knox-like. Um, so for this guy, he was a, a silver medalist at the Tokyo Olympics in the karate. What they call it? The karate. He was team? a karate player. He's a karate player. Apparently, yeah. though, that is the actual term in Saudi Arabia. Even wrestlers are players. That's Apparently, all the sports are called players. Because I look podcast into players. It. Sure, why not? We players. Podcast players. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, apparently the karate player, he, he as Michael Cole called him, and everyone just basically ripped him to shreds on Twitter for it. But apparently in Saudi Arabia, that is the official term for karate. That People kick he did to his head called? as well. He proper, like, it was so quick and proper pelted him as well. Yeah. But I mean, it was like I said, I, I, I was joking at the time saying, he's finally come back. It's Bad Bunny. But unfortunately, <laughs> it wasn't Bad Bunny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the fans seem to love it. I know they kind of said they were expecting somebody to be coming like a local hero type of person, but I had no idea who he was. I think that was well, one just he got a big fans. pop, and you could tell he loved being there. And apparently, he went down, he was quite well received, and he really enjoyed the WWE universe. So, it, if it makes the local crowd pop, why not? All for it, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to lead to it to the next. Saudi Arabia pay-per-view where it could be him versus Mustafa Ali or a tag team match with Mansoor or something like that. Why doesn't he team up with Mansoor and he faces Damien Priest and Bad Bunny? Because they're both faces. They can't do that. Yeah, but we just, Bunny everybody can't gets lose. on. Everybody gets on. Everybody's friends. I mean, we had... That could be the Survivor Series team. It could be. He could come back. I mean, he's undefeated <laughs> at WrestleMania, so, so why not? Exactly. So, after that... Uh, we got our first women's match of the evening. That's right. We had two women's matches. The first one being for the Queen's crown. <laughs> and that was between Taryn's pick, Dewdrop. Taryn picked Dewdrop. <laughs> and Zelina Vega, which did any of you pick? No, I think we all went Shayna Baszler. You went Shana for Carmella Baszler. and we both went, went for... Carmella. We both went for, uh, was it Shayna Baszler? But yeah, Shayna Baszler lost in the semis. Yeah, and so you went for Shayna Baszler versus Shayna versus Carmella Selena. Or, or Selena. Yeah, Shayna Selena. Selena. So you do, I mean, I remember when we were talking on the podcast last week, uh, there was a maximum of three points up for grabs. So you did get a point for each finalist and a point if you did get it right. We were all wrong on who was going to win it because, I mean, to be fair, it came from my bracket who won. Carmella 
was obviously lost to Zelina in the semis, and then Zelina went on to win it. So it was for my side of the bracket. So I'll take that as a win, I guess. But um, <laughs> five minutes fifty-five. I don't know if you saw this. I think we may have mentioned it on the last week's podcast. The amount of time for all of the Queen's Crown matches. About twenty minutes, all in all, wasn't it? Yeah, it was something ridiculous. Like there were about two minutes matches or three minute matches maximum and then this one just double lap five minutes 55 seconds surprising Zelina Vega I mean getting that uh I don't know what you want to call it um she calls it something else she called it a power bomb uh, I was like it's not a power bomb but then it's a code red um, a code red power bomb mm. uh but yeah Zelina Vega Queen Zelina Queen Vega I don't know I think I was saying this to Taryn. Is it just to basically keep her happy so she doesn't go to AEW? Because obviously, I think it's just to give her a gimmick. Over there. She hasn't really got a gimmick behind her before. She was kind of like managing, and then she was like the best friend of Carmella. Now with a queen gimmick, she heels always work really well with a with the crane. So mm-hmm. she can just walk around. You know, you've got the Queen of Spades. You've got Charlotte Flair, who's just known as the Queen, and now you've got the Queen. You know, the Queen's Crown winner. She is an actual queen. She has a right to call herself that. Um, so she can walk around with the scepter and the crown and a cape and just be all regal and royal. And I think it will really work with her. Um, you know, she will play almost like an Egyptian queen, like a Cleopatra. Um, but through the match, I was just really anxious about it because I remember how the Natalia match went last time and they didn't really take Natalia very well and take Lacey Evans very well. But you could see with Jessica Carr, she was the referee in the Hell in the Cell match, and the crowd just kind of ignored it and just let the match flow. And with this, I think you could see they were just getting involved with the actual storytelling element of it. So I was quite nervous all the way through it, but I'm glad it went without a hitch. You know, there was no bottles being thrown, or you couldn't see anything like being hitting at the ring. It was very well behaved. So it, it flowed really well. It was the longest match in the entire tournament, so kudos. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things you're saying that you're quite worried about. The only thing I was worried about is Taron getting up and jumping around if two drop one, because none of us <laughs> wanted that to happen if he was right. So luckily he wasn't. Uh, so that was Seth Rollins wrong and do drop wrong. His two crazy predictions didn't come in. Otherwise, we'd never hear the end of it. That's God. why he's bottom. Maybe that's why he's not. Maybe maybe that's why he isn't coming on today, just so he don't have to get embarrassed uh, by that. <laughs> that's but, it. See. You've got it. That's exactly yeah. why he's not here today. So, like I said, I mean, Zelina had it down with her little waves and stuff. So, see what happens with Queen Zelina or Queen Vega. Which one do you prefer, Joe? I prefer Queen Vega. Queen Zelina. Queen Zelina. Queen Vega. Is that 50-50 there? You're both going for different ones. Yeah, we'll see. You never know. They might rename her all together. They renamed Pipe and Niven Doodrap. So, you never know. (laughs) 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 What I don't get is they're all wearing T-shirts to the ring. I get that bit. But why not make money off it and get them branded T-shirts? And then well, they can sell them the She had a Doodrop T-shirt, didn't she? Yeah, but then you look at all of the other women there, and they just had like, they just got a marker like Kevin Owens did, KO. They just wrote their initial on their T-shirt and, like, and then came to the ones. You know, the, the, the ones you get at Comic-Con that you pay a tenner for, yeah. Yeah, they're really crap ones. <laughs> yeah. So we went on to the double stipulation match. The Ooh. no holds barred falls count anywhere match. Pretty sure they both mean the same thing, but there you go. Just call it a hardcore match. I'm pretty sure the hardcore match was both of these joined into one. But you can I see why they no said holds barred. Um, you can well, see why they said falls count anywhere now after that finish. Yeah, so I'm thinking that's probably why 
because a no-holds-barred match, you have to pin in the ring, but you can do what you want, whereas a false count anywhere, I'm pretty sure you can do whatever you want, but you can pin anywhere. So just call it a false count anywhere match. I don't know why it's a no-holds-barred false count anywhere. <laughs> or back in the day, it just used to be called a hardcore match. Just do what you want. You can pin anywhere and you can do whatever you want. I think they said no-holds-barred match because he wanted to do in that promo of saying like he was going to beat him to an inch of his life and that gives him a licence to do so. So like the promos on Raw, that worked. But I think when they got to the arena and said, okay, how are we going to finish this match? And then they probably looked at the ramp and thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did a spear off here? And I thought there was something coming up because they had camels either side of the rampway. But then when they were all coming to the ring, you just saw camels on the left-hand side, no camels on the right. And like I said, I was watching those camels all the way through. I was like, oh, that's wicked. (laughs) They got camels there. And I said, Joe, where's the camels gone? He's like, oh, they've probably gone to get some water or something. <laughs> but it wasn't. They set up like loads of tables. Like, thought we weren't even going to notice that the camels had disappeared. And they've set up 27 tables on the one side. I will say um, this match, arguably probably Goldberg's best match in WWE. Yeah. I was worried maybe for him going halfway back through. to early 2000s. I was really worried about him halfway through. I was like, he's a bit wobbly. He saw a little cut on the top of his head. Oh, he's not concussed again, is he? He looked really wobbly, and he did that jackhammer. And I was like, I was saying to Joel, please don't drop him on his head. This guy's got to wrestle again on Raw. He nailed it. He, he absolutely killed it. And then, you know, the business got involved, and they took some almighty, no pun intended, with some almighty bumps. But, um, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. It's probably one of Goldberg's best matches. Yeah. And, again, hopefully... Do you want to see this as the end of the feud? Are they going to go again? Probably Survivor Series or Day One Royal Rumble. I don't want to see it again. Just end it now. Because aren't they one one now? Yeah, I don't think Goldberg's got many matches left, is he? Like maybe one or two. Yeah, especially if they are one one. Obviously, Bobby Lashley won at SummerSlam. Goldberg has now won at the Crown Jewel. Jack, maybe we have that three, that third match at Survivor Series or at day one to finish it all because maybe Goldberg needs a bit of a few weeks to recover from that but I was quite surprised there was nothing to do with Gage within the match like I thought maybe he would have come out at some point he did obviously mention like that's what you get for messing with my family kind of thing nobody messes with my family but yeah after everything in the preview to the match was all about his son I thought maybe his son would have got involved somehow and then almost got beaten up again but I think travelling all that way from America to Saudi Arabia and travelling all that way back just to have a spot in an angle, it's a little bit much. Like, if you're there for a match, fair enough. But if you're literally there just to sit in the crowd, like it, it wouldn't have worked like him sitting in the crowd or sat ringside. It, it kind of wouldn't have worked. So I can see why they didn't do it. But also, if they had him there and he was like his valet or something, fair. But the reason he was having this match is to avenge his son being hurt. The last thing Goldberg wants to do is have his son out there to get hit yeah. again. So I can kind of, I can see it both ways. Fair enough. Okay. And then we got to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it now. Biggest surprise, probably moment of the year in WWE anyway. Obviously, we, we already know what the moment of the year is uh, from the pay-per-view of the year. But um, moment of the year took everybody by surprise. Uh, we were all saying this match between Finn Balor and Xavier Woods for the King of the Ring tournament. It was just seemed it was all set up. Prince Balor, he's just going to go on and become the king. I think we all said. Nope, I predicted it. But, but um, the fairy tale of Xavier Woods is now king. 
Yeah, man, I predicted it. I'm well chuffed. And like I said, I popped twice during the entire pay-per-view. The Camel and Xavier Woods went in. Well chuffed for him. You could see the jubilation. It was like he won the WWE title. Everyone's so happy yeah. for him. Um, I think Xavier Woods said, like, ever since he's, like, started wrestling when he was 17, he wanted to win King of the Ring. And he's been, mm-hmm. like, he's, like, been really strong with Twitter. He's, like, bring back King of the Ring, bring back King of the Ring. He's, like, he's really wanted to win it. But, like, as we said last week, I'm like, oh, it's, it's difficult to be WWE, like, to build it up, all, the, all of this, and then they'll just give it to Finn Balor at the end. So I kind of glad they gave it. I was proven wrong, and it wasn't Finn Balor. You know, it, Xavier Woods does really deserve it. Fair play to him. I was half expecting Finn Balor to come out in his demon gimmick, and I think if he did come out in the demon gimmick, we would all be like, okay, it's game over. He's not losing in the demon gimmick twice in a row. But when he came out in his leather jacket, I'm like, oh, there is an actual chance. Finn Balor can be beaten. It was, you know, it was a really good showing from both of them. And they uh, paid a lot of respect to each other during the match, you know, fist bump at the start of it. And also um, the acknowledgement at the end. And it gave us fans what we wanted. Everybody wanted Xavier Woods to win that accolade. And now everybody in the New Days had something special. Yeah, and I think it's, um, I don't know about you guys, but when I was looking at it, when he was speaking to the camera and stuff, there was kind of a heel element there. I don't know, like he was kind of saying, you're all going to like listen to me now kind of thing, like I'm the king. So do you think, um, this may be me just looking into it a bit more, maybe it's just too excited, but an Xavier Woods heel turn soon, perhaps? He might get a big thing for his boots and say, well, I've done this. I'm a king of ring. You two have never achieved this. Potentially. But I think the main reason that they'll do it is you've got the new uh, New Day t-shirt with Xavier Woods with a crown on his head. You know, they can sell the merch. They can sell New Day crowns, New Day scepters, all sorts. He doesn't come out with a trumpet anymore. He comes out with a scepter. You know, it's sort of not a gimmick change, but he can actually just add and sort of morph himself a little bit more now, which would be quite funky to see. He's not just the third kind of side character in it. Like he's actually accomplished something. To actually, again, that Kofi Kingston's never done. Big E's never done. This is something that's literally just just Xavier Woods and possibly one day going on because I think most every everyone that's won King of the King of the Ring has gone on to at least have a world title match, haven't they? Or done really um, well. A lot I mean, of them. If you want to. Got- Wade Barrett didn't, Mabel didn't, Ken Shamrock didn't, Owen Hart didn't, um, yeah, um, Baron Corbin didn't. Um, I think it's a half and half. I think There's Baron Corbin had a few matches, though, though for the title. He, he never won it. But... Straight, he got escalated straight to like a title picture. Yeah. Like, same with Owen Hart. He went straight to facing his brother and saying mm. that, you know, I'm, I'm the best and all of this. So it, it does elevate them, uh, like, even William Regal as well. But you look at quite a lot of the people who run King of the Ring, you can name people like Booker T, Sheamus, um, Bret Hart, um, you know, Austin 316 was born. So it does, it elevates majority of the people who win it. Um, So it is one of these things that you do want to, and you look at Brock Lesnar, if Brock Lesnar didn't win King of the Ring, he wouldn't have won that title shot and he wouldn't have won the uh, WWE title at SummerSlam. So obviously they don't do the title shots anymore, though, do they, through the King of the Ring? No, but it's really, it's seen as something that you should be a contender for something. I think last time when Baron Corbin did it, he got escalated because they were doing Seth and Becky versus King uh, Corbin and Lacey Evans, weren't they, afterwards? Yeah. So I'm going to pose this question to you, Joe, to begin with, as Dan takes a swig of his beer. Um, 
how about the idea of Xavier Woods versus Big E at WrestleMania? Oh, that could Kofi be Kingston good. special ref for the title. A new yeah. day in every corner. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> As you said, like if it's Fred versus Fred, like um, then that's when I'd have been a Or uh, Xavier Woods like, as a heel. Yeah, I was. It would have to. It would, it would really work. It's like if one of them turned on the other one. Then it would really work if it was just friend versus friend like comp like friendly competition then it'd still be good but it wouldn't mean as much but if like as that said like gets too big for his boots to go i'm the king now you have to do what i say and then uh biggie's like well i'm the wwe champion so obviously i'm the, i'm better than you because i'm the champion then it can start like like little niggly things like little digs at each other and then Kofi kicks is in the middle like trying to peace keep yeah, that could be a good match. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, like, obviously, I can't see him dropping a title anytime soon. And who would you actually have him face at WrestleMania? They've had the big talks of, obviously, The Rock maybe returning, so you're going to have Rock Roman. What is Big E going to do title-wise? Why not have the big match? Like, you're going for the family element of Roman and The Rock. Why don't you have the family element of Big E and Xavier? But then surely that's the end of New Day then and literally New Day's basically Or even a Biggie Kofi would be pretty funky. Yeah. But I think they're on separate shows now, aren't they? You've got... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, was it, um, Xavier Woods has gone to SmackDown with Kofi and you've got Biggie staying on Raw. Um, I've got a feeling that they're, pro- they're either going to get Xavier Woods captain in the Survivor Series team or they'll say, right, you've got a title shot. And he's like, well, I want to win the tag belt with my best friend Kofi. And then we get to see RK Bro versus the New Day um, in a tag team match at Survivor Series. You know, that would be a really good yeah. decent match. Obviously, um, the New Day are arguably one of the greatest teams ever. And you look at it to, I think if you look at trios, you really have the NWO, New Day and the Shield. They're the, re- the main three I can think of. And free the Freebirds, if you want to go with the Freebirds, going down the road um, back in the 80s and 70s. But um, obviously, this is the first proper accolade Xavier Woods has won. But the Shield, obviously, arguably the most successful they've gone on to win. Every single one of them has gone on to win titles. Um, obviously, Kofi has in New Day now. Big E has... Xavier Woods, will he ever win the world title? Or is this his kind of moment just like, you're just going to win the King of the Ring, that's all you're ever going to get, really? I think he potentially could, but I can't see him. I think it was a stretch giving it to Big E, and it turned a lot of heads with that for people who like the casual viewer who knows him as the guys who chuck pancakes into the crowd. Um, Mm -hmm. He has the talent to do so. He's a very skilled in-ring athlete. He's very good at promoting WWE outside, you know, when he's not wrestling you know, with um, media companies like E3 and stuff. It's something that could happen, but I think you would need quite a bit of build towards it. Like King of the Rings, one thing, but going for the world heavyweight title. But then again, you gave it to Jinder Mahal. So if you're giving it to Jinder Mahal, you can give it to anybody. Yeah. Okay, so very happy with that. I was going to say, arguably, uh, the best moment of the night. I know. I just Karen wish has... that they trained them how to put capes on. Because both of them both went of them to fell. put it on and it just dropped down. They, they never tried. They never tried to tie it though. They just put it on the shoulders and they just expected it to stay there. You literally undone it from the hanger to put it on, so you should know to tie it back up. But never <laughs> mind. Um, but yeah, uh, Tara mentioned he's he's happy. Xavier won. He said, "Do drop losing makes no sense." 
He said the best match was the Hell in a Cell match. Uh, and then obviously we'll go on to a little bit later as well. He's also said Drew McIntyre would get the belt off Roman at Mania. Um, obviously, transition to Big E defeating Drew McIntyre uh, in a match uh, for the WWE title. Drew McIntyre's last chance at that belt now because he is moving shows. So what next for Drew going to SmackDown? Do you think he is going to go straight to Roman? I think, well, Brock Lesnar issued a statement on WWE.com today basically saying he's going to be turning up to tonight's SmackDown and he's coming for the bloodline. So they're continuing it in some way. I think we're going to have Drew McIntyre doing that. I'm so happy to be here, but I eventually want to be champion. Um, I think we could have that match at Mania, but it, it also could be something that happens at a Royal Rumble. It definitely is coming. We're definitely going to see those two collide. And WWE always like to drop the WWE title just before Survivor Series. So I think at one stage we thought we were getting Jinder Mahal representing SmackDown at Survivor Series and all of a sudden AJ Styles beat him for it. So they always like doing a last-minute switch. They did it with Roman last year. He won the belt and then went and represented. So they could do something that he could, he could win it a lot beforehand. And you don't need to have the title belt to have Brock Lesnar going against Roman Reigns. You don't need that title there. Um, so he could drop it. Within a couple of weeks, it could be as, as close as, well, maybe not tonight's, Smack, uh, tonight's SmackDown, but it could be in the next couple of weeks. You never know. And then something like Roman Reigns possibly winning the Royal Rumble or The Rock if he does come back and they do go for The Rock versus Roman. I, I think that. And then you get elimination. I mean, I, I, I said it this year, didn't I? I said this year was Roman and The Rock, and obviously that didn't happen. So possibly next year. Um, it's definitely on the cards that it is going to happen. But... We didn't think Cena was going to come back, but he did. So yeah, yeah. we didn't see that one coming. No. Well, nobody saw him coming. There you go. Uh, but <laughs> Biggie Drew, I mean, I think it did the job. I mean, there wasn't a terrible. I don't think there was a terrible match on the card. In all honesty, like I said, I thought Goldberg had his his best match, uh, and this Biggie Drew McIntyre match did good to show them both going strong, going their separate ways. Biggie has beaten Drew McIntyre, who obviously beat Brock Lesnar only a year or so ago at WrestleMania. Um, obviously showing he's a strong champion as well. So, The only thing yeah. that annoyed me about the Drew and uh, Big E match is he came to the ring. Did you see that he had the sword, but he took the sword out of the sheath and the sword was like half the size? It's like you literally must have just gone to a market. It's like a toy sword. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was like a market, yeah. It, was, it definitely wasn't the same. Like They must have said on the plane, yeah, you can't take that all the way to Saudi Arabia. It's a weapon. So they went, oh, okay, we're going to have to go over there and buy a sword. And you could see, like, he took this really cheap thing off it and he held it up. You're like, dude, you look like you just bought that. Like, you're not convincing <laughs> anyone. I would have rather him just come to the ring without a sword. I get it, it's his gimmick, but come on. Like, I know that it might be just us being a little bit nitpicky, noticing little things, but seeing that sword, I'm like, bro, we know that it's travel restrictions. Bro. Yeah, bro. You may as well have just left that home. I looked, and then he put it in a thing on the turnbuckle and then some stage hand had to take it off there. So there's just no point. Yeah. Okay. So we move on to our second women's match of the night and what turned out to be the second longest match of the night as well, quite surprisingly. Mm. Um, obviously, the first time three women have shared the ring, first time they've had two matches at, in Saudi Arabia. But to have the second longest match, just short of 20 minutes, uh, big time Bex defeated Bianca Bella and Sasha Banks. Another one Taron got wrong. So, you know, it was even better to see. 
I got yeah, it wrong too, I so really I can't enjoy, I really enjoyed this match. Like, as Dad said, when the first match happened, like the Queen's crowd sort of with like Selena Vega and Dewdrop, I was a, I was a bit like that. I was a bit wary, like, oh, because Saudi, the last time there was a women's match in Saudi, like they didn't react very well to it. So when the first match went well, the second match was like, okay, so the first match was good. So the, this, I felt like a lot more better about it. So mm-hmm. God, I was really looking forward to this match. So yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, there was really good storytelling with it as well. And there was a bit where Becky was like, I'm your friend and I'm also your friend. Please don't throw me into the turnbuckle. Um, and they were doing lots of these moves that you generally see. And you remember the old school TNA in the X Division where one move, like they would do a monkey flip that would turn into a Harakarana and somebody would throw their opponent into another opponent. They'd turn it into a drop kick and a lot of these moves that turned into another move, very innovative. Um, so to watch, it was very pleasing. It worked really well and the crowd were really getting into it. Um I'm, I'm glad it went as long as it did. I thought they were just going to have these women's matches, blast them out as quickly as they can, get it done, go home. But um, they gave a lot of time to it. They told a really good story. Um, you know, there was they were doing like a double disarmor and then they went for a double KOD. And the strength that Bianca Belair showed, where she was lifting up two opponents. At one hand, she lifted Sasha Banks up with one hand alone. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the things that they were doing, it, it was almost like a sort of WrestleMania caliber. You know, some of the sort of, spots you'd only see once in a blue moon they're pouring out loads of these and they gave the crowd everything that they wanted and i was pleasantly surprised yeah i think it was definitely a a solid match and we'll see what happens next with the titles whether they are just going to do a handover or maybe becky versus charlotte at survivor series for like a winner take all perhaps that's the way i would do it and then i would do it whoever loses they do a tournament on whatever show doesn't have a championship for that belt like they win it but then they have to vacate the one that they're not on the show of but i think that's the way it works out the best and at least it gives meaning to a match at survivor series but then i mean you could do that and then becky lynch goes to win that tournament and get a title back anyway <laughs> and then it's just like all right fair enough uh, well they'll probably do it with charlotte, like charlotte get, with two belts maybe. they want to get charlotte to um 16 time world champion don't they and she's on 12 at the moment so that's a perfect opportunity for her to lose the belt only to win it back in a tournament anyway or a battle royal and then she can go oh well i'm now a 13 time champ so it's a good way of bolstering her up and again like you had two belts becky and stuff like that so it's something that she could possibly do and eventually merge that into one belt like a new design perhaps i don't know maybe because it's just i'm not a massive fan of the design the red and blue and maybe they're just like Let's create something new. Who knows? Yeah, they've got so many uh, women on that roster now. I, I think it makes more sense to have two, the two belts because you've got so many people like the Mia Yims, the Tony Storm, Shayna Baszler's, the Katie Rays, who literally sat there doing nothing at the moment, not being involved for weeks. Tegan Knock, Shotzi Blackheart, all of these women who haven't had matches, well, Shayna Baszler aside, all of these women I've just named haven't had matches on Raw and SmackDown for two weeks. And they're amazing. Yeah. They're amazing talent. If they went to AEW, they'd be featured... Well, I might be stretching a bit with AEW and their women's division, but you know they'd be on dark, they'd be on elevation most weeks. Whereas you're looking at it now, they'd be lucky to get a match on uh, on main event. We're just talking about AEW just briefly. Obviously, they've announced the, the TBS title, which is obviously a second women's title. Is this something that the women in WWE need? Something like an Intercontinental title for women? Maybe just, I mean, they're not going to bring it back, but something like a European title. And it yeah. something completely you'd different. have to give just them, having that the thing is you'd have to give them tv time the wouldn't you you'd have to give them tv time and the fact that they had they've had some amazing like you look at the lineup like they had do drop going against natalia that match 
could go on 10, 15 minutes. They got two and a half minutes. And you're thinking, yeah, they've got an amazing roster, but they're not giving them the time. Even on a three-hour Raw, they're not giving them the time. I watch main event every week. They, they're never on there. They're 205, to be fair, is doing it with a, the NXT stars. But you look with WWE, they're not featuring their women's wrestlers enough. And they do have characters, and the fans are invested in them. But they're just... I think there is a chance that they're going to make uh, SmackDown three hours within the next six months if Fox will you know, want to extend it. I can see them making that a three-hour show, and that might yeah. help solve the problem. But... Also, what would help solve the problem is having something on the WWE Network where very similar to, you know, Superstars, for example, does just women's matches or they mix up um, main event and superstars and they have more women's matches on there because I feel like they're not being featured enough. And some of the talent they've got there, they're going to start getting annoyed because they're not being used. You know, you look at the Kaylee Rays, uh, especially, you know, she was the yeah. best. She is the best wrestler in the UK, women's wrestler wise. We don't upset Brendan. Um, but she's somebody who should be featured. She's just come from NXT UK over to NXT. They've repackaged and she hasn't been on the show for three weeks. And she is leaps and bounds one of the best women's wrestlers on that division, even if she went to Raw and SmackDown. Same with Io Shirai. I have no idea why she's on NXT. She needs to be brought up. Um, but they need to do something with that women's division, give them a bit more time. And if it is a secondary title, fair enough, that would be brilliant. But they do need to give them more time and even feature them on a Superstars or a main event a little bit more just to give them the reps. Yeah, we said this a few years ago, uh, but I know it will never happen because uh, I think it's unfair. But they should have their own brand, the the women, and but then obviously they're taking off Raw or SmackDown. They're not getting obviously that global awareness. Uh, but even having like their own brand and their own titles and stuff, they'll be able to then have say an hour, two hours a week where it's just female women's wrestling and i'm sure it'll be very popular like people would watch it um but like i said doing something alongside so both possibly that because i know aw do dark and dark elevation so even having just a one hour of just women's matches and they stay on roman smackdown perhaps would probably be the best way um to do it but who knows um, but I think definitely another title needs to come into it. I think that's one good thing that the AEW are doing because nobody wants to see Dr. Britt Baker DMD lose that title. I think we wanted, wanted to keep it for about 20 years and would happily have that happen. Um, so it's a good job they brought this other title in to have these bigger matches and then just having... Well, what's she now? She's Britt the Baker. third greatest wrestler, isn't she, on the PWI women's um, top 100 list. I think what was number one, it was uh, Bianca Belair. Uh, and then we've got yeah. Britt Baker at number three. And I think Thunder Rosa was number four as well. So there was a really good list. Yeah. So well, there you go. So let's move on to the the main event, uh, which was obviously a no. Um, what was it? It wasn't a no holds barred match. What was it? What was it originally going to be? Was it just um? Oh, the Roman Reigns match. They yeah. they said that they were going to make it a no disqualification. No disqualification and then they, match. And then they basically scrapped it half hour later. And as I said to Taryn, I was like, the only way they're getting rid of the no disqualification rule is to screw over Brock Lesnar by having like Paul Heyman turn on him or the Usos interfering. And that's the way he's going to lose the match because it makes no sense in an ODQ match because they'll just do it in front of the ref and then it'll be fine that way. That ref but, bump, though, I felt so bad for Charles Robinson. He got like proper winded and then Brock just lifts him up by his belt by with one hand and just drops him. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. But, I mean, 
we, we had a few suplexes. I was hoping that would get into double figures. I can't remember the last time we seen double double figure suplex city. But yeah, I mean, it's one of the best storylines at the moment. Paul Heyman, when he just gets the belt and he's just like, you know what to do with it, and just throws it in the middle. <laughs> of it. I thought I was so. I thought that was so much good storytelling because he was playing it that straight down the middle, like literally. He was like, you know what to do with it, and he had absolute precision. Well, who's he talking if you, to? <laughs> if you could, if you uh, play it back, he threw it exactly in the middle between Roman Reigns. Uh, Brock Lesnar, and I think that's going to be Brock on SmackDown. So who are you throwing the title at, Paul? Well, I, you Roman, of course. You. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's exactly what they're going to do. And I was like, he played that perfectly. I fair play. I was like, and the backstage perfect. segment as well. He said in the backstage segment, and I'm going to be walking out with the Universal Champion this evening. And you're like, yeah, say the name. Well, who's going to be the Universal Champion? But he played it well, and you watched him ringside, and he just wasn't he had no emotion whatsoever to either wrestler he had like emotion when there was like a submission in like oh is that person gonna tap out but even when he was walking away with the bloodline he was kind of like looking back like oh hope brock doesn't see me walking away with them so yeah it does look like they're still going to be playing playing on that yeah he know, played this is so definitely well. yeah paul Heyman is an absolute master of what he does he played it so perfect like as dan said like he was at ringside but he wasn't cheering for brock lesnar he wasn't cheering for rubber reeds even when he threw the title in, he threw it dead in the middle of the ring. So he played it. He's played his part absolutely perfectly. Yeah. And like I said, I, th- I think it was a pretty solid match as well. Uh, no complaints to it. Like I said, they had that back and forth, great storytelling. And finishing around just after f- around four hours runtime. Pretty good, solid show. What What would you give it, Joe? I give it seven out of ten. I mean, for a crowd draw one, like the first couple of ones were really crap. But I said to Dan and our friend Dean, I was like, for a crowd draw event, it was almost like a WrestleMania. So I give it like a seven out of ten. I thought it was really good for a Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. show. Dan, yeah, I'm going to go with an eight. I was pleasantly surprised. I was looking forward to it all day. Um, you know, I, I finished work early. I was on a half day, and I was there waiting for it to start. I was watching the pre-show. I was giddy. Um, and it, it delivered. I would say it's the greatest Saudi Arabian show they've done. Yeah, definitely. I was going on along about the same lines as you. I was leaning towards an eight as well. Um, because, like I said, there was, there was no boring match. Each match meant something. They weren't just put together. There were feuds in these matches. They were building for weeks. There wasn't just... I mean, besides Usos and Hurt Business, but I didn't watch the pre-show. <laughs> Obviously, there were matches that actually meant something. We had the King of the Ring and uh, obviously we had the uh, the Queen's Crown as well, and some very solid matches in there. And camels, what more do you want from a pay per view? Mate, that's when I saw that they had the camels. <laughs> and Matt Riddle came out with a camel. It needs to be on WWE 2K22 now. If they don't, I will be very disappointed. Well, whenever that game does get released, who knows? Hopefully, it will be a DLC, a, a crown jewel. That pay per view like arena on the other two Ks. I don't even. I haven't um, even looked. To be fair, I don't think it is, but it should be, and it should be there with camels, and it should be there with camels. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that that brings up obviously. I unfortunately Taron couldn't come here because he was preoccupied, so I don't have the scores. Uh, I will make sure there is a segment on the next episode where we will go through the scores, so we can all laugh at Taron and make him say how shit he is. Can I predict that he's still in last place? 
No doubt. And can we just say I'm still first? <laughs> Probably, but not with the quiz. But that is true. That is true. However, nice segue onto the quiz because you are top on the quiz, but you can't get any points this time. So it's either going to be I'm going to close that gap or Joe is going to win and Taron's just going to be lone at the bottom. It's a win-win scenario <laughs> for either of us, so I don't care. What have you win got for Well, you can always give now? me... You can give me your points if you think that the quiz is good. I was going to do a quiz entirely on King of the Ring, but I was trying to double check. There's a lot of stuff that I know off the top of my head, but you try and double check it when writing a quiz. And the only thing you can do is try and go and sporkle and name every single King of the Ring. And I've done that enough times. We can't do that. That wouldn't be entertaining for our viewers. So I've got you 10 questions. There's a couple of King of the Ring questions in there, but we'll see how we go. So the first one, mm -hmm. you guys got your pen and paper or your, your keyboards? Yeah. Microsoft Word okay. is open. Let's go. Happy days. What year was the first King of the Ring? Ooh. Yeah. Year number two. Who is the lightest and also the youngest Impact World Heavyweight Champion? So they're both the lightest and the youngest. Lightest and youngest? Hmm. Number three, Steve Borden is the real name of which Hall of Famer? Steve Borden. Number four, who had the shortest AEW tag team title reign? The thought on your guys' faces. Wish the viewers could see it. <laughs> I'm trying to go back. Like all you think is Young Bucks now, don't you? Because that's the title that's changed hands. Like Young Bucks are the longest reign, and they've held it for three hundred and six. Um, mm. so they're like the longest. But it's one of those belts. That's that belt's been changed the most, and then you got the TNT afterwards. And you look at the women's; it's only been changed like four times. And the the men's has only been changed. What is it? Three. So yeah, I didn't change that much. Mm. But um, the next one. It's three answers, but I'm not a point for each. I want one point. You have to get all three. So can oh you name God. me the three? Can you name me the three King of the Ring winners that are European? Oh, should be pretty simple. You need to get all three to get one point. It could have been four, though. It could have been four. It could have been five. If, if you're counting Dewdrop. that. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Finn Balor as well. It could have been five. And Finn cause... Balor, yeah. Um, number six, which WWF wrestler had the moniker The Narcissist? I didn't even know this. I, re I watched WrestleMania 9 the other day. I'm like, huh? I did not know this was a thing. Oh, okay, so it's that old. All right, I'll get rid of Seth Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> He's the architect, not the narcissist. Mind, they could bring that back for him with all these suits and stuff. That'd be really good for him. Uh, Number yeah, seven, which tag team featured in the movie Highlander? It's a good job I did an episode of this not so long ago on the greatest movie ever podcast, and I had to did watch really? the film. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> at the beginning of the film, I was like, Oh, this is the highlight of the movie, starting off strong. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was the same with um, that classic Swayze movie, um, Roadhouse. And then near the end, you just see Terry Funk in the bar and he has a fight. 
Right, number eight, which Premier League football team does Seamus support? He has terrible taste. Number nine, which WrestleMania had the tagline, Houston, we have a problem? <laughs> and number 10. I'm going for that one. Just go with you, Gat. And you, number 10, who is the current NXT UK Heritage Cup holder? Lovely. Do we have answers? Yeah, I'm still trying to think of that third European one. I'm just going to go for that. I'm pretty sure they've never won it, but there you go. Worth a go. Joe, right. you okay? Yeah, awesome. Radio. So we'll take it in turns. The first ever King of the Ring was in what year, Joe? 85. Jamie? I went 92. I originally said 88. Ah, it's 85. Claudio, who is the lightest and youngest Impact World Champion? Jamie. A woman. <laughs> That's what you are, but <laughs> a woman. You're right there. Who's the only woman to win, win the Impact World Women's Champion, uh, the Impact title? No idea. Joe? I thought it was what did you put? Style, so I you thought it was AJ. No, it was yeah. Tessa Blanchard. To be fair, that's who oh, I was kind of going for. <laughs> she was 24 years of age. They didn't say her weight, but it's never kind to guess a woman's weight. So, um, Number three, Steve Borden is the real name of which Hall of Famer? Jamie. Sting. Joe? Sting! Sting! <laughs> it is Sting. You're correct. Um, who is the shortest ever AEW tag team title reign? Joe? Omega and Hangman. Who? Omega and Hangman Page. I thought you said I'm going to Poundland. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> no. Um, no, it's not Omega and Hangman. And Jamie? Uh, I put FTR. It is FTR. Okay, can you name me? I like, the I, three... In my head, I was like, did he actually win it? <laughs> I, was like, I can't remember them holding the towels, but I'm sure. Yeah, he won only it. for a cup of coffee. Because <laughs> um, he had that injury, didn't he? So they had to drop mm. it. Um, Jamie, we'll go to you on this one because you said you had two out of three and you're iffy on the third. Can you name me the three European King of the Ring winners? Uh, William Regal, Wade Barrett, British Bulldog. So you got two out of three. Joe? Yeah. Regal, Seamus, Wade Barrett. Yep. Spot on. So get one. Joe gets one point. So <laughs> it's only one point you lose. Um, okay, number six. Jamie, which WWF wrestler? Had the moniker the narcissist. Theodore DiBiase. No, not Ted DiBiase, Joe. Lex Luger. It was Lex Luger. Oh, yeah. um, number seven, which tag team featured in the movie The Highlander, Joe? Rushbackers. Jamie. The Freebirds. It was The Freebirds. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I hate that film. It's no. awful as well. Oh, I don't mind it. See, it's okay when they just 100% off. There can only be one. Joe, number eight. Which Premier League football team does Seamus support? Liverpool. Yeah. I know Jamie's got this one. A Liverpool Football Club. It is Liverpool, Liverpool Football Club. And number nine. Which WrestleMania had the tagline, Houston, we have a problem, Joe? 35. Jamie. 22. No, it was 17. Oh, okay. Yeah, 
between twenty two they... and twenty four for me. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I'm assuming they must have had it in Houston. Is just twenty two in else. Houston? Because I think, think twenty one goes Hollywood. They've had a couple in there, I think. Um, and your last question: Who's the current NXT UK Heritage Cup holder, Jamie? I put Tyler Bate. I had no idea. Joe, Tyler Bate. It is Tyler Bate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie got an NXT UK question right. There we go. <laughs> You're a big strong boy, Jamie. You're a big strong boy. What a hero! Right, right. Tot up your totals. I got five. Six. Oh, Joe gets the point. Yeah. That means Taryn's bottom. I don't have the correct scores, but Taryn's definitely bottom after that. <laughs> Dan's still top, and I'm second. And I think Brad is still beating Taryn. <laughs> Who's Brad? No one knows. <laughs> I wonder how Brad felt about um, the Crown Jewel Jack. Let us know, Brad. Message us how you thought about it. We'll give you two extra points if you respond cool but yeah i mean that's it for this week's episode of grapple cast join us next time where taron might make an appearance we hope he does and we'll go through the scores and see where everybody is um how everybody's doing but dan tell us where everyone can find us they can find us wherever you get your podcasts on your deezers your spotify's your apple podcasts on the link on Twitter as well, if you'd like to click and just listen through Twitter as well. Um, but we're mainly through Twitter. You can chat to us on there. We are on Instagram, Facebook. Um, yeah, always have a chat with us. Always comment, like, subscribe as well. That always helps. You get them the minute that they drop. You get the notifications as well. Uh, we're always running polls and interesting stuff as well. And, yeah, you get to see our insides. We even did a, a little bit of a live commentary during Crown Jewel, so you don't want to miss that. And obviously, I can't go to myself to sign us off. So, Joe, will you, without further ado, bid us adieu? I bid you adieu. Goodbye. Hold one. Good night. Arm drag. Brett screwed Brett. It's me, Austin. I did it for the rock. Oh, shut your mouth, you thong wearing fatty. Number four. Armbar! I am Sir Michael Cole! What?